Ladies and gentlemen, this is Terry Payne Johnson, owner and founder of Amani Shahil Travail LLC, where we specialize in education consulting and equipping and empowering others to operate at their full potential. Happy New Year, and thanks for the over 200 downloads for our Welcome to Painesville podcast. We are proud to introduce our newest podcast, Cookies and Tea, a conversation spotlighting change makers and, of course, cookies. This podcast is sponsored by All Love Cookies and Treats, where our motto is, if you dream it, we can bake it. Consider them for your next special event. Call 980-277-1554 and ask about their New Year specials. Today we are spotlighting a majestic cultural icon, Marina Thomas in Charlotte, North Carolina. Marina, please say hello to our guest. What's up? <laughs> Okay, we're always talking about how we know each other. Well, I met Marina, well, I knew her as Miss Thomas, in a school where we worked as educators for our young people. Dynamic lady, definitely a cultural icon, loves being black, loves being a woman, loves being uh, a person that shares information about how to equip and empower yourself to be who you're destined to be. And of course, she is an author. So I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about herself. So go ahead. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much, T-Pain. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy for you. Like, I'm just super excited that you've gotten this up and going because I know you talked about it when we were at, can I mention schools? Mm-hmm. Can I mention the school we worked at? Bronze Academy. And you were always talking about all these visions and dreams and things that you were going to work on. And so I'm so happy and super excited to see you get this one up and going. Yeah. Thank so. you. You're welcome. About myself, oh my gosh, where do I start? I guess I'll start with as an author, although I have many hats that I'm wearing right now. But one of the things I'm most proud of is this book that I published called Hurts Just Like Love. Um, <laughs> it was a baby that took me 25 years to birth. She sat gestating in my spirit for over 25 years. But man, when she came into the universe and the atmosphere, she came full throttle, full force ahead. And so I'm just really excited to be able to have this finally out because it's healing a lot of people, myself included. It's healing relationships. It's powerful conversations. It's just everything in my life right now. Audience, I'm just telling you, I'm trying to like contain my excitement. But yeah, the hurts like love, 25 years labor. And I just wanted to put a pin in that. You see, she didn't say 25 days, 25 hours. It was 25 years. So just a side note, those of you who are wondering when it's going to manifest, you have to be patient and go through that birthing process. So tell us, how long have you been in this industry of writing? I started off as a writer when I came out of my mom's womb. And I'll say that because I remember writing my first story. And a lot of people don't believe this, but my mom can be my testimony. I wrote my first play when I was seven. And I still have a modified, edited version of that. As I got a little bit older, I started adding more characters. But I wrote my first play at seven. 
And I've just always loved writing. It's just something about the art form of writing. So I would say I came into this universe as a wordsmith. I didn't always pursue that. I, I went down different avenues and did different things, but I finally came back to myself as a writer, and I'm so happy I did. Okay, so during this time, so what was the biggest challenge or uh, obstacle that you encountered? I'd say the biggest challenge was believing in myself, T. Like mm -hmm. really believing that my voice mattered and that somebody would want to hear what I had to say. But then I got to back up on that because after I published the book, I realized it really wasn't about anybody else. It was more about me feeling like my voice was important. And even if nobody read the book and if nobody cared about what I had to say, <laughs> as long as I cared, that's really all that mattered. So it was really an inner journey towards myself and rediscovering that as long as I feel like I'm important and I matter, it really doesn't matter what anybody else. It's cherry on top of the cake if somebody else cares. <laughs> okay, so yeah. when, when did you realize you were good at writing? I've always known I was good at writing. <laughs> that might sound vain, no, but I'm keeping it real. I have always known that I was good at writing. I have never doubted myself as a writer. I've doubted myself as a parent. I've doubted myself as a woman. Mm -hmm. I've doubted myself in relationship. But as a writer, I never, 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 ever, ever had a doubt. So who would you say has been your biggest encourager? My children have been. My daughter in, in, in particular, my oldest daughter, Monet, she's a writer too. And she was just like, she never had any tolerance for me. Every time I had an excuse about why I couldn't do it, she's like, Mom, whatever, just write the bag on book. So my children have been my biggest advocate, as well as some friends. Chastity, yourself, even you helped me to push that final birth and pain out. So I really had some some powerful cheerleaders. Okay. You said you wore a lot of hats, so tell us some of those. Yeah, so right now I call myself a memory coach. And I'm basically um, learning that I have gifts as a spiritual healer, more along the uh, indigenous um, African technologies and modalities of healing. So right now I'm really focusing on women and in particular Nubian or black or African women and really helping us to heal ourselves from lack of self-worth, not knowing who we are, how this society has shaped us to believe that we have to move and be certain ways. And so that's one of the areas that I'm really, really focusing on right now is is reaching out to women in particular and reminding them, charging that memory and reminding them of who they are. Okay, so what kind of activities uh, do you do to help women do this? So one of the things I did before COVID came along was I held waste bead gatherings. So for those of you that don't know what waste beads are, I know we have seen them and Beyonce sings about them in her songs, but there's so much more to waste beads. So waste beads are these African accessories that we wear around our waist, and they have the potential to do certain things. They can manifest, they can heal, they can help us release. So I host waste bead gatherings, which is an opportunity for women to come together, learn about waste beads, fashion a waste bead, it's sort of like what we did back in the day when we had, you know, when we had sister circles where we would just get together and talk. Waste beads are an opportunity for us to to come together and have those conversations. And I, I will say that um, 
I have have had the experience of being part of one of these gatherings and it was just refreshing to be around black women. I just want to just say that. I mean, and just just black women just trying to figure it out and trying to just uh, bring it all together and just to find those places where we stumbled and then just come back up stronger together. I will say one thing that you've challenged me to do is to take action. And I think that that's one thing that we as black women are always hesitant to do is to just take action, to just take stock in what we're doing. We're so used to just being strong and being everything for everybody else and we never ever take the time to look at ourselves so I will say in this gathering I was able to like you know you're able to just be free I mean I'm not going to give you all the details but you're able to just be free and you're able to you know start on a journey like she said to to go into your to your true self and not be ashamed or be you know or feel bad about who you are so I just say thank you for inviting me and I was happy happy to be there Oh, thank you for saying that. And I want to say one more thing about that, if I may. Mm -hmm. One thing I really want to say about who I am is I am a, I call myself a memory coach because I believe we have all the answers inside that we need for ourselves. And so I don't call myself a teacher because sometimes I'm a teacher and sometimes I'm a student. But I call myself a memory coach because really what I believe I do is I just remind women of who they are. And from there, they take it. And then like they do, like you said, they take the action steps. So I think sometimes we just need that reminder of how powerful, how beautiful, how talented we are. And that's that's one of the things I love to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So we talked about this book, Hurts Like Love. <laughs> and an audience, I'm going to tell you, she's getting ready to read a, an excerpt. I was hoping we could read the whole first chapter, but let's see how everything goes. I think we have at least five minutes. So let's go ahead. So the title of this book is called Hurts Like Love. It's by Marina. Hurts Just Like Love. love. Excuse me. Get it right. Hurts Just Like Love. And even in the title, you can even see like, okay, love and hurt. I mean, does that make sense? But you have to, you have to get this book. So I'm going to, please, if you will, Miss Marina, she's going to read, you got to, you probably got to read the whole first chapter. I mean, I don't know. How long is it going to take more than five minutes? I don't I think, think so. We can do it. Yeah, I let's go ahead and do it. it. So, okay, so sit back, get your listening ears on. Hurts just like love, chapter one. Let's go. She's gone. I stood in the doorway, paralyzed, and for a split second, if the key had not opened the door, I might have thought I had the wrong house. My head swiveled left to right as my eyes quickly darted back and forth across empty rooms that used to hold the contents of my home but my mind wasn't processing what they saw. What the fuck? What the hell is going on? Slamming the door shut behind me, I took off running through the foyer like a madman. Mia, I called out, pausing in the middle of the living room. The fact that she didn't answer intensified my fear. I ran in the direction of the library directly across from the living room and stuck my head in the French doors calling her name and praying for an answer. When she didn't respond this time either, I hurried to the kitchen, passing the empty dining and sunroom. I ended up in the family room off the kitchen. As crazy as it sounds, I honestly couldn't remember if a conversation had taken place between Mia and me that would explain why the furniture was gone, and I got upset with myself for not being able to remember. Confusion and fear gripped my chest like a starved pit bull. I headed downstairs to the basement, not sure what to expect. Surprisingly, it was still fully furnished. Did some motherfucker rob us? 
Even though the rooms were bare, it didn't look like the house had been broken into. Nevertheless, I proceeded back up the stairs with caution. My nine was in the glove compartment out in the car. I considered going to get it and my cell phone, but I was worried my family might be in jeopardy somewhere in the house. I dashed through the hole downstairs trying to figure out why it looked like we had moved out of our home. What random furniture that did remain made the whole scene appear even stranger. A few family pictures lingered on the living and dining room walls. My worn leather recliner and ottoman sat awkwardly in the middle of the family room floor and a desk Mia and I used solely for collecting mail and sorting bills had been moved from one side of the family room to the other. It was bare too. Why would robbers take the time to steal half the family photos? I continued to wander through the space in my home that suddenly felt foreign. Wherever our belongings were, the air in the house must have gone with them because I could barely breathe. Think, Miles, think. I walked in circles, pounding my forehead with the heel of my left hand. Think, man, what's today? I'm not sure what relevance the day had on my empty house, but it was all that came to mind. Friday, July 22nd, right? Yeah, yeah, Friday the 22nd. Mia! I called out again. Did my baby leave me? I startled myself for having spoken the words I was thinking. Why would she do that? Silence. What the heck is happening? A haunting quiet that didn't seem to give two craps about me or my questions permeated the air. No answer. My thoughts were scattered and I was about to dart out to the car to get my cell phone when the thought of my children hit me like a boulder. Oh my God! I sprinted from the dining room toward the sparrow staircase and grabbed the handrail. Fueled by the adrenaline that my babies might be in harm's way, I raced up the stairs two by two. Please, God, no, please don't let her have taken my children. At what point I resolved myself to the possibility that Mia might be gone, I can't really say. Logically, it was the only conclusion that made sense given the condition of the house, but I wanted desperately to believe differently. Tiffany had shut the bright pink door, bedroom door that had had her name painted in black cursive letters diagonally across it before we left this morning, just like she did every morning. I plowed into it, shoulder first, not quite sure what I'd find but pleading with a stillness that taunted and overwhelmed me at the same time to give me something I could muster a fragment of hope from. With one hand clutched on the knob, I braced myself against the open door. Canopy bed, dresser, desk, computer, dolls, curtain. I took a slow mental inventory of her belongings, and it gave me a brief spark of hope to see her things were still intact. Nevertheless, as I pulled Tiffany's bedroom door half room clo halfway closed, a sharp pain stabbed at my chest. I tugged on my tie until it fell to the floor. Brandon's room was across the hall from Tiffany's, and after a thorough investigation of his fully furnished room, I felt encouraged that there might be some strange explanation about what was going on 
even though I had no clue what that might be. I couldn't imagine Mia leaving Tiffany and Brandon unless something was drastically wrong. Her business was growing by leaps and bounds, and as a result, she'd been under a lot of stress over the past few months. Other than that, I didn't, do, I didn't know what else might be wrong. Surely she couldn't be far if the feeling in the bottom of my stomach rang true. If this is what she was capable of, if this is where we were, I mean, wouldn't a man, wouldn't a man have some kind of clue if his wife of nine, almost 10 years could just pack up the whole doggone house and roll out? Yeah, yeah, he would. My, my answer was a feeble attempt to console myself. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, you just heard part of chapter one. Hurts just like love. We could go into a, a whole conversation about what just happened, but you have to read the book for yourself. So I want to know what's next. What's next? What's next is from it for me is to want to have sort of like a bookstore slash Airbnb. I mean, not an Airbnb, a bookstore slash bed and breakfast all in one where we can gather and have conversations, have tea, laugh, dance, sing. So that's that's my objective right now. In Charlotte, North Carolina, look for Marina's Multiverse coming soon. Okay, Marina's Multiverse. Okay, it sounds it sounds intriguing and definitely sounds great. So if anybody wanted to support you or to purchase this book or to attend any of your waste beat sessions, how could they reach you? How could they contact you? So they can contact me at my website, which is www.hurtsjustlikelove, or they can contact me at my other website, which is www.culturallytied, culturally tied. So you've heard it. You can, ca- you can catch her at Culturally Tied, or you can catch her at her other website. So... What are three things that you want to leave our audience with as they start on, the, on their journey to become great? What three things do you want to, to remind them of? Woo! Number one, believe in yourself. Even when you doubt, continue to believe in yourself. Pursue and know your purpose and unapologetically, unequivocally pursue it like it's the very breath that you breathe. And lastly, but surely not, surely probably number one, believe that God put you here for a reason and that's the only thing you need to trust. What shout outs do you have? Who do you want to shout out? <laughs> First of all, I'd like to shout out T-Pain. Oh, 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 in the house, in the house, in the house. I'd like to shout you out, goddess, definitely. <laughs> um, I'd like to shout out my children, Monet, Jumani, and Amani. And I'd like to shout out the goddess. Oh, God, they're going to kill me. The Ancestors Light, Shekinah, Ingrid, and Michelle, and anybody that's ever supported me, shout you out all the way. Okay, so our last question as we get ready to sum up, what is your favorite cookie and why? What's that cookie you made that we had that time? <laughs> <laughs> that chocolate chip cookie cup? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. That's my favorite cookie right there. Whatever that cookie is that you made, we have been still talking about that cookie. <laughs> and secondly, it would be an oatmeal raisin. Okay. That one that you made is my favorite cookie. 
Okay. Well, as we get ready to sum up, we like to say thank you to Marina Thomas for being our being our guest. You are definitely one to watch in 2021. You will receive a complimentary dozen of your favorite cookies from All Love Cookies and Treats. This has been another Painesville production. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, LinkedIn, Facebook, and our website, Welcome to Painesville, using Welcome to Painesville or Terry Payne Johnson. And for all you out there, remember, fear not, only believe. Peace. That's why I teach Bye.